The second reading is Philippians 3, 12 to 21, which is in page 1082 of your Bibles and page 38 of the booklet. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. This is the word of the Lord. Um, good morning to you all. Um, my name is Tawanda. If we haven't, if we haven't met yet, uh, I'm one of the student ministers here. So if you are visiting, we are so glad you could join us uh, this morning. Over the past six weeks, we've been looking at this book of Philippians, which is a, Paul written by a, uh, a letter written by Apostle Paul uh, to this church at Philippi. And today, we are looking at this passage which has just been read before us. Uh, can I ask you to keep your Bibles open as we go through this passage and see what God has to teach us this morning? But before we do that, um, I'll lead us in prayer. Our dear God, we thank you that in these last days, you have spoken to us in your son, Jesus. Father, this morning as we listen to your words, may you speak them into our lives. We pray all this to the glory of your son. Amen. Someone once said, if you are not growing, you are dying. I don't know if you've heard of that statement. It's kind of true. Um, if you see an apple on the shelf, in the shop, uh, though it looks nice and shiny and juicy, if you leave it for the next three weeks, you come back and it's rotting, it's dying. If it's no longer on the plant, growing, feeding from the roots, it is dying. We have our friends um, who have got a one-year-old son, and sometime towards the end of last year, I was talking to my friend, and um, he told me they were worried about their son. Uh, he's now one year old now. Back then, he was just, um, yeah, towards one year. And they were worried that 
their son was not growing as they expected. So he wasn't gaining weight as they wanted him to or they expected to. Uh, you know, here they've got all those graphs, you know, where you sort of monitor your baby and you check and you see what's going on. And this boy was not, grow was not gaining weight and his parents were worried. And the father is a good friend of mine at college. We pray together. And we're saying, Tawanda, I'm worried that something is wrong with our son. And, yeah, and thinking of it then, I think, ah, oh, is indeed just being a bit too fast about this. You know, he will grow later on. But um, two months ago, we had our daughter, Unati, and I totally understand what my friend was uh, going through because when you have got a young baby, you look at them, you expect them to grow, and you check, you know, I come home, you know, you try to check, you see every spot on them, and you want, to, you want them to grow. And if they don't grow you become worried. You see, the passage before us, it's all, about, it's all about growth into maturity. And as Christians, we are expected to grow. If we are not growing, if we are not maturing as Christians, we've got to ask something is wrong here. We've got to see the doctor. We've got to get something fixed. For my friend, they, went, they ended up going to the doctor and uh, they got some medication to help their son eat and eat well, and he's a big boy now. So as we look at this passage, I want to think of, I want us to think of this. If you are a Christian, are you growing? Are you progressing towards maturity? Because that's what Paul is on about in this passage. But again, I guess the question behind this is also, how do I grow? How do I mature as a Christian? Paul points out three things that he needs the church at Philippi to consider for them to grow or to consider as they grow. He asked them to consider yourself to start with, in verses 12 to 14. You see, what you think about yourself, how you see yourself, how you view, how you perceive yourself, how you consider yourself will either hinder you from maturity or it will help you to mature. We need to, be, to have an honest assessment of ourselves. Paul does this in these verses in a very striking way. He says twice, I've not yet reached it. I've not yet attained it. I haven't made it yet. Come with me to verses 12 and 13 and see how Paul starts. So in verse 12 he says, Not that I've already reached the goal, or am already ma fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. As if that was not enough, verse 13, he starts again, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. Why is Paul stressing twice? I haven't taken hold of it yet. Brothers, I've not yet made it. You see, Paul was a man who had met the risen Christ on the way to Damascus in person. Paul was a man who had been used by God even to perform amazing miracles, as you see if you read the book of Acts. Paul was a man whose mission, evangelistic mission, was a great one. I'm not sure if it has been surpassed yet. Paul was the man whom God had used even to plant this church at Philippi to whom he was writing this letter. 
So I think it was possible for them, you know, the church at Philippi, to think of Paul and say, oh, he has made it. He has done so much. He has been used by God so much. He's seen God on the road to Damascus face to face. What more would you want? He has done it. Or even for Paul to look at himself and say, I've done my fair bit. There's no room for me to, to, to improve. But Paul is stressing that, no, it's not like that. I haven't made it. So how do you assess yourself? As you look at yourself, how do you think about yourself? Because the way you see yourself will either help you to mature or to seek growth. Or it's going to hinder you from growing. Maybe when you look at yourself and you think, oh, I've done it. I've led, you know, a home group, you know, for the past seven years. I've, you know, I've been serving morning tea for, I don't know. And you feel like, oh, I've done my bit. I think now I'll just relax and wait for Jesus to come. Paul is saying, no, brothers, I haven't made it. Instead, he's actually I'm, he's saying, I make every effort to take hold of it because I've been taken hold of. Paul totally knows that life this side of heaven, as we wait for Christ, is not enough. Because he says, Christ has taken hold of me. Christ has called Paul to ministry, has called Paul to be his on the road to Damascus. So in, in a sense, he had taken hold of Paul. And Christ knew Paul all through and through. But Paul knew that his knowledge of Christ was not fully mature or fully um, enough. He's still striving to get hold, to know Christ. And as you read through in verse 21 at the end, when he says we are waiting for the Savior, he says when he comes, he would transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. One day, we'll see him face to face. We'll know him better. But between now and that day, we need to keep growing towards knowing Jesus better, knowing our Savior better, and growing towards being like him. We make progress. But how do we make this progress? Paul says he does two things, which is more like one thing. So, brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of this. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Paul says there's one thing that I do. He has had this honest assessment of himself, realizing that he has not yet made it. He says, now, one thing that I do, and this one thing that he does, if you like, he's got two sides to it. One side is forgetting what lies behind. Paul says, he forgets what lies behind. He doesn't specify to us what is it that he's forgetting, he's leaving behind. Maybe it could be his religious achievements as a Pharisee. Last week he saw that he gave us the full list. He was a Hebrew of Hebrew. He's done so many things and he says he considered that all as rubbish. Maybe there are the things that he had achieved after being made a Christian, after doing his mission work. He's been involved in lots of good Christian ministry, which could also could hinder him if he looks back and thinks, oh, I've made it. 
Or maybe there could be things in the past that are struggles in his Christian walk. We know that Paul talks about the thorn that was in his flesh. Maybe there are challenging experiences in his walk with God. But he says, whatever that is in the past, I forget it. I leave it behind. So that I can press on towards the goal. I wonder today, what might be in the past for you and for me that we need to leave behind? Things that are in the past which may either stop you from moving forward, things which will stop us from pursuing the goal. What is it for you? Are there past successes that when you look back, you are tempted to be complacent? Are there past struggles that you look back, you think, I can't even make it, I just need to give up? What is it in the past that if you look at, it might stop you from going forward? I've, I'm not sure if you have heard of the mile of a century. I love running, I love athletics. So as I was looking at this, it was quite interesting because Paul also in this passage, he uses a lot of athletic language. So the, this race, the mile of a century, uh, which was run in 1954, so in May of 1954, and the Englishman Roger Bannister, he was the first man to beat the record to run one mile in less than four minutes. But within two months, your own Ozgron, John Landy, managed to beat that record by 1.4 seconds. And what that meant in August of that year, 1954, Landy and Bannister met in Vancouver at the Commonwealth Games. Of course, they were running with many others, but every, all the eyes were on these two men. We don't even know the names of the others. Everyone was wondering what would happen. No one knew where things would fall. Two champions who had just broken the record. So there was so much excitement in the huge crowds that came to watch these guys running. See, as they moved towards into the last lap, I think I had a photo of Vanessa. Okay, it's up. As they moved into the last lap, as they approached the finishing line, Landy thought he would check where his mate Bannister was, how far he was behind, where he knew he was leading. He was almost getting to the finishing line. So as Landy turned back to check where Bannister was, Bannister shot through and went on to win the race. Later on, being interviewed by Time magazine, Landy said, if I had only not looked back, I would have won. Friends, there are things in the past that we don't need to look back. We need to focus on the prize ahead. I think we saw uh, on the kiss talk, uh, those who are making it to the end, we need to focus. We need to keep our eyes on the prize. So Paul forgets what lies behind. The other side of the coin of this one thing that Paul does, he pursues the prize. In verse 14, I pursue as my God the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Paul does not only forget what lies behind, he actively, decisively makes effort to pursue that prize, to pursue that goal. And what is that goal? Christ has taken hold of me. 
I haven't yet taken hold of it. He's wanting to take hold of Christ, to behold Christ, to see Christ, to know Christ better, to know Christ fully. And actually to be transformed to be like Christ. So he pursues that decisively. He makes effort. You see, growth does not happen by chance, by coincidence. I've just planted a little garden of mine at the at Newtown where we live. It's not really a garden, it's just you know something too small. But for that to grow, I have to water it. I have to come and check what's going on there. You can't just expect you know, growth to happen on its own. It needs decision, effort. And Paul says he actively does that. He pursues this goal. So I wonder in your Christian work, do you actively sit down and decide to do certain things so that you can mature as a Christian, to set apart times to find out that there are lots of amazing Bible reading plans and, he and helps on the internet, to, to search and pick up things that can help you in your work as a Christian to grow. Do you sit down and sit up at that time? Do you, do you research? Do you talk to people? What plans are you reading? What can you do so that you can grow as a Christian? But it's not enough to come to church and wait you know, I will just grow as Paul preaches to me, you know, each week and I go home and I sit and I grow. We need to actively, decisively do something so that we can mature as Christians. But Paul has got a second thing that he's asking the church at Philippi to consider. He's saying, consider others. Paul is quite aware that our growth as Christians does not happen in isolation. We grow with others. We grow as we look at others. So in verse 17, he says, verse 17, come with me. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. Paul is calling them to join in him. You know, on his own, he's pursuing Christ, he's pursuing the God, and he's saying, join me in that kind of life. But also he's saying, there are others among you who are living in such a way. Imitate them also. I guess Paul could be thinking at this point um, about Timothy or Epaphroditus, whom we saw uh, a few weeks ago. He says these men were not only concerned about themselves, but they were concerned about the concerns of Jesus. He's saying there, if there are people like that that you see, why don't you be encouraged by them? Or imitate them. So can I ask you this morning, who are you following? Are there other godly Christians that you look at and you get encouraged and you talk to them and you, you, know, you seek to grow like they are growing? But also, we need to ask the other question. Who is following you? Who is following you? Are there others who look up to you as a Christian, and they also get encouraged, they also get, you know, motivated to continue to grow in their, in their work with Jesus. You see, these days, many famous celebrities, they complain about this. They want to be famous in soccer or tennis or whatever they do, but they don't want people to watch their lives. And when that life comes on the spotlight, they complain that I'm, I'm just, you know, Doing this, I'm not there to be an example to the whole world. See, as Christians, 
we do not have the option because people are looking at us. People are putting their eyes on us as Christians, both people in church and people outside. I think if, done, if you have done evangelism, you could have met some people who are outside who say, I don't go to church because they look at Christians. So the question is not, are you an example? Is what kind of example are you? Because people are already looking at you right now. What kind of example are you setting? Is it an example that encourages others to mature, to grow in their walk as they follow Christ? But also, Paul encourages the church at Philippi to consider the third thing, consider the future. Consider the future, verses 18 to 21. For I have often told you, and now say it again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly await for a savior the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. See, the end goal of our maturity is total transformation into the likeness of Christ when he's going to be revealed. The way we live our lives now tells us whether we are heading towards that or not. Because Paul is saying there are people who live as enemies of the cross. And he's saying their end is not transformation into Christ. Their end is destruction. And I think that is the reason why we should think carefully about this. Why is it important for us to talk about maturing towards Christ? Because if you are not maturing, if you are not growing towards being like Christ, the thing is maybe you are on this path living as an animal of Christ and heading towards destruction. And I was trying to look at this. There are lots of debates about who are these enemies of the cross. I don't want to get into that here, but I think there were people who were in the church at Philippi. Because Paul is saying, he, he's been telling these people and he's doing that with tears. He's concerned about them. And he also says that their lives, they are living as enemies of the cross, which means that they could be saying something different. They could be saying, oh, we go to church, we, you know, we are part of church by the bridge. But when they are not doing that, when they are living, if you look at the way they live, they live in a totally opposite way. They say one thing and they live totally another way. And I guess what a fitting uh, f uh, sermon series a life worthy of the gospel. So is our life worthy of the gospel of Christ which has been preached to us? Or are we living as enemies of the cross? This was very important to Paul. He's doing this with tears. And friends, we need to watch the way we live. Are we living our lives in a way that in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ? or we are living as enemies of the cross. For we are not supposed to live like that. Why? Because we are different. How are we different? We are citizens 
of a world that is to come. Verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we saw we also eagerly wait for a savior. We are citizens of heaven, friends. Yes, we are living in this world. Yes, you might be a citizen of citizen of Australia. I know there are people from different countries here. But ultimately, we are citizens of heaven. We ought to live like that. My wife and I and our daughter, we are citizens of Zimbabwe, which is why I'm wearing this shirt that I'm wearing. Uh, I got lots of conversations come when I wear this, uh, this shirt. Even when I'm just walking around, I meet somebody, oh, your shirt. Uh, I know, because it's so colorful. I think Australian men, they, they don't wear like, lots of colors like this. But because I'm a citizen of a certain country where this is normal to wear like this, I wear like this. My wife and I, there are certain things that we knew when we came to Australia, we are not doing those. So we see adverts advert of maybe buying cars on credit or doing certain things. Of course, we don't have the money to do that, but we don't even think of that because we are not here to stay. We are here for four years training at Moore College and going back home. So there are things that we see, you know, being advertised and we say, oh, that's not for us. We are not here for that long. We are just here for four years and we have got two more years to go now and head back. So there are certain decisions that we have to make. We are not getting that. We are not buying that. We are not getting involved in that. Why? Because we belong to Zimbabwe. And there are certain things that we do now. I op often open up the news. Uh, we have this um, like web, uh, online news is now the thing here these days. So I, we try to read, uh, probably every day or two, we read the politics of what's happening in Zimbabwe, you know, you know, what's happening there, because our interests are in Zimbabwe. So if someone to watch the way you live, the way you invest, the way you spend your time, would they tell that there's something that is driving you that is different to what we see? Because if we are people who are straining, striving, pursuing a goal, which is transformation and living in the world that we belong, which is heaven, not here. The way we live should make people to turn and say, why are you doing that? Why are you making that? Why are you not doing this? And they say, because I'm a citizen of another world that I'm striving towards. Just like when I wear this shirt, when I walked in, Paul said, oh, that's a great shirt, I wonder, when I walked in. And people say, oh, that's a nice shirt. And it's just a different shirt. Because from Zimbabwe. Friends, we belong to heaven. Why don't we strive to live our lives so that even when people look at us, they can see that this person has got something different. And also, friends, we live in a world that is broken. Some of us here, we are struggling maybe with sickness and our bodies are not functioning as well as we want to. Some of us, we are struggling with maybe broken relationships in the family. Um, there are all different kinds of suffering that we might be going through now. But I guess this truth that we are awaiting a Savior who is coming, Jesus Christ, and when he comes, he's going to transform us. I hope and pray this morning that that is encouraging to you no matter what kind of suffering you're going through. To know that this is not the end. The body might not be as you want it to be, but our Savior is coming. 
and we are going to be transformed. So there is hope. And I hope with that hope, we can persevere to continue following him, to continue looking forward to that day, even when it's painful now. But also, having been here for two years, I think the biggest challenge here in Australia or in the Western world is the opposite. I know there are people who are struggling, so I don't want to undermine that. But I think there's also lots of comfort. Such that at times we also forget that we belong to a world that is to come. We forget that we are supposed to look forward to a Messiah who is coming because the world has become so sophisticated and life expectancy is high, standards of life are high, and we feel like, oh, wow, this is great. What more would you want? We're surprised by the medical systems here when we're expecting our baby. So countless scans and detailed analysis, they check the genes and, you know, I can't even comprehend it. They check everything. Back home, if you get one scan when you're pregnant, you are very lucky. So living here, it's easy to stop trusting or looking forward to a Messiah because so many things are just functional because of the way the society has developed. And I pray and I hope in the comfort of things here, we won't forget that we are here just for a while. We are heading somewhere. And as I finish, I wouldn't want you to go back and think, oh, the message was just, I should just try hard to pursue the goal, to forget what is behind, and maybe I will make it you know, to be transformed and be like Jesus. Why? Because I think we have to be certain. He's not saying that if we strive hard, we may become citizens. He's saying we are citizens now. We are citizens now. And that is the reason why we strive. Jesus has taken hold of us. Paul says he has taken hold of me, so I strive so that I can take also hold of him. So we are not preaching salvation by trying hard. We are preaching that salvation has been given to us. Christ has done it. He has taken hold of you. Our citizenship has been guaranteed. And because of that, we strive to live like that. We strive to live in a manner that is worthy of that truth. And as much as I don't try hard to be a Zimbabwean, I am. Even if you take me to America or wherever you take me, I'm a Zimbabwean. So if you are in Christ, you belong to this new world that is coming. You are going to be transformed. But how do you live now? You strive. You work hard so that the way you live will match that truth. And I pray that this is the truth for us all. Let us pray. Our Lord and God, we thank you that you have taken hold of us. We thank you that, Lord, in your son Jesus, our citizenship in heaven is guaranteed. Father, now please help us to live our lives in such a way that shows that reality. And we pray for those among us who may not be able to say this, that we help them to also consider where they stand with Jesus. 
All these things, Lord, we pray to the glory of your Son. Amen.